there was no reason to go. It was not a question, as Low Voice had suggested, of either a desk job or their offer, whatever their offer happened to be. The pension he had received was enough to live on. Plus, right after he had lost his hand and cauterized the wound himself and then shot the so-called gentleman with the cleaver through the eye, he had taken the liberty, in recompense for the loss of his hand, of helping himself to a briefcase containing several hundred thousand dollars. This he saw as a profoundly moral act in a kind of moral, biblical, Old Testament sense. An eye for a hand and a bag of money thrown in. The fact that the eye had had a brain and a skull behind it was incidental. So in short, there was no reason to accept the invitation. Better to stay put, have a lifelike prosthetic made to fit over the stump, or at the very least, wear and learn how to use the hooks that had been given him. Perfect a game of one-handed golf, purchase a drawerful of prosthetics for all occasions, buy some cigars. All of life was open to him, he told himself. Opportunity could knock all it liked. And besides, he was having trouble getting out of bed. Not that he was depressed, but it was hard to get out of bed, especially when he remembered that the first thing he'd be doing was trying to brush his teeth left-handed. So instead, he spent more and more time rubbing the end of his stump, or simply staring at it. It seemed, the termination of it, at once a part of him and not at all part of him. Fascinating. Sometimes he still reached for things with his missing hand, Most days he couldn't even put on the hooks, and if he couldn't bring himself to strap on the hooks, how could he be expected to leave the house? And if he didn't leave the house, how could he be expected to go to the airport, let alone pick up the ticket, let alone board a plane? Things will get better, he told his stump. Someday we'll leave the house. Things are bound to improve. A week after the first call, they called back. You missed it, said Lisp. You missed the flight. Is it because of fear? asked Low Voice. Are you afraid of flying? How can you say that to him? Lisp asked Low Voice. A man who cauterizes his own stump isn't going to let a little something like that get to him, is he? So he missed the flight, said Low Voice. He didn't allow for enough time. Got held up at security, maybe. Yes, said Lisp. That's sure to be it. They both fell silent. Klein kept the receiver pressed against his ear. Well? asked Lisp. Well, what? asked Klein. What happened? asked Lisp. I didn't go. He didn't go, said Low Voice. We know that, said Lisp. We know you didn't go. Otherwise, you'd be here. If you'd gone, we wouldn't be calling you there. No, said Klein. The phone was silent again. Klein listened to it, staring at the veiled window. So, said Low Voice, so what? God damn it, said Lisp. Do we have to go through this again? Look, said Klein, I don't even know who you are. We already told you who we are, said Lisp. We're opportunity, said Low Voice, and we're knocking. I'm going to hang up, said Klein. He's hanging up, said Low Voice. His voice sounded worn out and exhausted. Wait, said Lisp. No, nothing personal, said Klein. I'm just not your man. 
Almost as soon as he hung up, the telephone began ringing again. He let it ring. He stood up and walked around the apartment from room to room. There were four rooms, if you counted the bathroom as a room. In every one, he could hear the telephone clearly. It kept ringing. In the end, he picked up the receiver. What? he said. But you are our man, said Lisp, his voice desperate. We're just like you. There's the ticket, said low voice. No ticket, said Klein. No opportunity. I'm not your man. Do you think we are acquaintances of the man with the hatchet? asked Lisp. Cleaver, said low voice. We are not acquaintances of the man with the hatchet, Lisp said. We're just like you. And what am I like exactly? said Klein. Come and see, said low voice. Why not?